And please join me in welcoming our motivational speaker today, Dr. Reverend Patrick Cameron. Right. Okay, so we've rearranged the furniture. It's called A New Design for Living. What a novel idea. And so I'm going to invite you to sing a song with me and we'll say a prayer. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world And there's quite enough love and quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit, one spirit in this very room in this very room in this very room I recognize that one life one power one activity at divine life and I recognize it in this moment in the I am and my awareness of it is I have never recognized it like this before for I am new in this and I invite you to see with that new perspective as well your newness in this yesterday ended last night so in that remembrance in that declaration I welcome and embrace that life and my affirmation is that life is my life and so it is not that I shift and change anything there, but I am shifted and changed in my interior. And I live my life from the inside out, because that is where spirit and I dance and play and converse. My intuition, and I support you and your intuition being highly activated in this moment in a powerful and beautiful way. So it is not just the words, it is not just the music. It is the space between the words, it is the space between the music. It is in the listening to the beating of our own hearts that we are also informed and reminded of the love that we are. And so I just give thanks for all that has been, for all that is in this moment and standing in the expectancy of, of a greater good than any of us have known in ways perhaps we do not understand that we come together in this spiritual understanding, this unfolding of consciousness, celebrating the wisdom, the perennial wisdom the ancient truth and incorporating it into our lives in a meaningful, powerful way. And so I just give thanks and invite you to say with me, knowing it is already done in the mind of the one. And so it is. Well, we're experimenting a little bit today with a few things. And I can tell already that the sound, I'm starting to get a little feedback from Bill. So I'm gonna, I'll stay back as far as I can. Probably help because our speakers, if I get too far in front of the speakers, we have problems. So we'll adjust that as we go.
But anyway, welcome. We are, this is our third week in the, the start of 2013. And, we, and to uh, anyone not been here this year yet? Well, welcome. We'll get you caught up a little bit. We've been doing some crafts and, and uh, um, uh, some, some various experiential things to uh, help ground us in moving forward. And so what we've done, just to give you a little uh, um, uh, tour of what we've done, in the first week what we did is we invited people to think about something, a, a condition or an experience in their lives they, were, they weren't happy with, and to take flash paper, take a piece of flash paper, which would represent that experience, that condition, and what that word represents. So if there's a condition in your life that represents lack, perhaps the pla- flash paper represents lack. And then we invited people to come up on that Sunday, and everyone took a piece and burned their flash paper. They would walk over to the candle, and I'll demonstrate for you. And when you light the flash paper, it goes off pretty quick, and then you can let it go. Last week, we put some out in the center aisle, and I'm not sure if there was, I don't know who it was, but someone came up and, and got, you know, of course, I didn't model the right flash paper, which I could have done better. And so someone grabbed it and, and dropped it right away, and so it all landed on the table, and all the flash paper went off. Which, so there was a, there was a flare. Which was perfect. We just went and got more flash paper. It was no big deal. But this, this, this beautiful young lady felt so bad she left. And I thought, isn't it so typical of us? Here we are releasing things. And then we're in a ritual to release, which is just nonsense. We don't need to carry it anymore. And then to, to have someone feel so bad about it. Uh, and I just, when I heard that, I just, it just cracked my heart open. I thought, oh my gosh. Because I talked to Laura about it. Laura said, well, that's fine. You had a lot of stuff to release. Don't worry about it. We'll go get more flash paper. But it's just such a great metaphor. And in my life, it reminded me of how many times I've done things meaning well and then felt like I've done something wrong. So I want to just thank whoever that was. You know, maybe you'll never come back, but uh, you're certainly always welcome and love. But I just thought, what an example of the poss- you know, what, what we do. So, but if you haven't done it, there's more flash paper on a table a little farther away from the flame this week. And if you'd like to pick a piece up because you haven't done it, if you think of a word that, or a, a quality in your life that you'd like to release. Because it's important, our prayer needs to not just be, there's three levels of healing. There's a physical, there's the level at the, the mental, there's the soul level, and there's the body of our affairs, the physical. That's why for many, time, many people in, the, in our tradition, in, in New Thought, we say, we got it. I read the book, I got it. I read, read the book, I got the t-shirt. But the healing needs to take place at the level of the heart, and then it, it shows up in the body of the affairs. It's how it works. But it's very easy to say, well, you know, I, I've got that, I'm doing my affirmations, and it, you know, all is well, my life is perfect, whole, and complete. And to affirm and affirm and affirm that, it's a great big umbrella of affirmation, when in fact there may be those areas that are still not, uh, we haven't released, we haven't transformed. It's about the transformation of consciousness. And so when that happens, when that's alive for us, it's important that we stop and look at that. Dr. Holmes, as I've said many times, said we must look at a thing long enough till it no longer has power over us. And so the work is along with this. So this month, is, we wanted to start out and start to uh, clear the plate, start to clear the consciousness and the, and the arena that we play in, which is the metaphor for the flash paper. And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a daily event. That's not just a one-time event, but to, to model it here for you, to mentor you in that gives you an insight as to sometimes we need to release things, but sometimes we need to release things, as I said last week, as also with care. We don't want to be littering our path with things that we're not ready to put down yet. 
a path of, we leave a wake of destruction, a path of destruction, saying we're releasing things, when in fact all we're doing is creating chaos. So it's important to, to look at it in a way that is healthy and productive for all of us. The other, um, and then last week, we did the clean slate, which is the tiles, and there's still tiles out. And what we invited people to do was to take, that, go from your word of error, which is that word of the, the problem. So if, if you believe in lack, then what is your behavior along with that? So for me, lack would be worry. There's not enough, I worry. And so what I did with the, with the flash paper is I would, I would release, I release lack and I re- release the need for worry. And then what we did last week is we decided what our word of God would be. What is the ultimate word of God that you'd like? What is the, your purpose word? What is your word of God? And so we invited people to take tiles, and there's still probably another hundred tiles here to write your word of God and take that home with you. And so if you didn't get a chance to do that, I'm going to give you the opportunity towards the end of the, uh, the service. Actually, what we'll do is we'll invite you. We'll end a little early today. We'll invite you to come up and do any of those things or all of those things if you haven't had a chance. But to write your word of God upon this tile, what is it you stand for? What does 2013 mean to you? Is it love? Is it abundance? Is it wholeness? Is it health? Is it happiness? Is it joy? Is it celebration? Is it... And if you need some coaching, what we've done also is we put three large tiles down here that are going to be framed. I want to leave them out one more week. We have a frame already built, and we're going to insert them in the frame, and they will be displayed. And you can write on those tiles any time throughout the year if another word comes alive for you, because it's a gift to us, and it informs us. So on these tiles here, we have all kinds of, uh, one says, looks like it says, oh, it says health. Okay, it's hard to read upside down some of these, but love, joy, um, grace, devotion, wonderful words, harmony. So if you have a word, please feel free to come up. There's silver pens, there's, there's gold pens, and put that up because that becomes, I'm, t- I'm going to talk about that in a moment, that becomes the power of the group prayer. And, and I brought some stuff from Dr. Ernest Holmes. He speaks to that. So little tile for home, big tile for here. If you want to, and if you have another word, you were here last week and have another word. And so this week, what we're doing now is if you look over to my left and your right, there's that great big heart that somebody cut out so beautifully. It's not really, it was freehand, guys. I didn't have a big heart to copy. So I was in here drawing and drawing and drawing. But what it is, is a, is a heart, and we have, uh, oh, several hundred strips of ribbon here. And what I would like you to do is think about your word that you've come up with, and then take a ribbon, an appropriate color, and if we run out of colors, we'll, we'll resupply this week, but I think we have enough to get started. Wonderful, beautiful colors and, and, uh, uh, and different colors. And take your word that you came up with in your intellect, in your head, and you wrote it down on the tile, and you wrote it down here, so you need, I'm going to ask you to do that first. And then when you have your word as a commitment to take it from your head to your heart, which is two-thirds of the way, I've got the idea, I've got the ideal in my mind, and now I'm, I'm going to embody it. And so how we embody it becomes our journey this year. How we take it into our hearts, become, because if we can do it with one thing, we do it with everything. See, it doesn't matter what we start out with. It doesn't matter what our word of error is, and it doesn't matter what our behavior of resistance is. If you, if you, get, if you, get, um, if you have fear, well, fear would be your word, at your, but if you have an idea of you're not good enough, and then you go, and you, so you know, your belief, your, your, your core belief is you're not good enough. And so how that shows, so then, then there's a behavior that helps you manage I'm not good enough. And it could be that you withdraw, you hide, 
or you confront, or you attack, or you numb yourself out, you self-medicate. So when we start in these behaviors, what's important is that we have these, we, so we've taken a vow, our, our, a vow with ourselves. This is my word that I'm committing to, and this is my behavior. So if you notice, I put the, the flash paper and the tiles over here and the heart over there because it's only 18 inches from the head to the heart, but it's been said it's the longest journey. And so when you have your word, and you get to walk over here, and I'm going to have the little, we're going to get the little ones that, that come up and do this as well, and we will have thousands of ribbons tied by the end of the year, and this will be our community heart. So right now it's chicken wire, and I don't have a lot of chicken wire at home, because it's kind of, it's not aesthetically pleasing, but what we do is we take the, the, the commitment that is our, and, my, and my, my word right now is freedom. So as I tie this to it, my vow to myself and to God it's freedom to be open to that, that possibility. And so when I look over here and see that purple ribbon, or I see a purple ribbon over there every week, I'm going to be reminded, oh, that's right, I made the commitment to freedom. And I have my tile at home. I actually have two ribbons up there. The other one for me is clarity. So are you interested in doing any of that, or I'm just making stuff up and pretending? <laughs> okay. So what I'm going to invite you to do, and when, like I said, we'll, we will... We will um, wind down today a little bit early to give you a chance because I think it's going to work better if we do it after rather than come up during this service and it'll be just a bit less congested and, uh, and I think it will work really well. So what do we do with this? Everybody clear about that? Flash paper, tile, big tile, ribbon. And um, I th well, we have a, just the right amount of ribbon. We'll multiply them like Jesus did like the fishes and the loaves. As I thought about uh, what we're about and how we move forward and how we can mentor one another um, and mentor ourselves, I found uh, this, this uh, essay by Ernest Holmes and I thought it was just so appropriate and so lovely for the business that we're about. And he begins to say that when a group of people come together with one accord and with one thought, when a group of people come together with one accord and one thought, a greater power is generated. Not because the creative power responds to a number of people more than it does to one, but because the combined faith of a group reaches a higher level of acceptance. And therefore, group spiritual mind treatment should be definitely performed with the purpose in mind of arriving at a deeper conviction. So when you write your word down here, we include those with our practitioners and we include that with our prayer work here. We're a community about prayer. We're a community about healing prayer, that we're not in this alone, that we're in opening ourselves up to the greater possibilities of the Spirit in our life. One of the difficulties, Holmes says, to get a group of people to think alike, that's not a problem, is it? Look at politics. I, I told Laura the other day, look at if I was a politician, I'd only have to have 51% approval rating. Here I need 100, but there you only need 51. I said, that's not a bad job. One of the difficulties is to get a group of people to think alike, and at the same time, in order to do this in the most effectual manner, the individual needs and desires of the group must be temporarily put aside for the most effectual form of spiritual mind treatment. For, for spirit form of spiritual mind treatment is not where individual member is praying for himself or for some other person. There's not enough fusion of thought. There's not enough coming together in unity of purpose when everyone is treating for different individuals. Isn't that interesting? 
He, he continues. He said, the best results are gained from a group spiritual mind treatment when all members join in treating not for the purpose of acquiring any specific good, but for the purpose of reaching a higher state of consciousness. See, and the, the great thing, and there's nothing wrong with treating for stuff. You see the movie, The Secret. It's all about getting stuff. It's all about the high level two manifestation, kingdom two, high manifestation. And it's an important kingdom. But eventually, it's not for the purpose of acquiring any specific good, but the purpose of reaching a higher state of consciousness. There will be less confusion because, a greater degree of, because there's a greater degree of unity. So all of your words here, the prayer work that we do around these words, is to, for all of us collectively and individually to achieve a higher level of consciousness. Because as we have a higher level of consciousness, our intuition is, is, is heightened. And our ability to discern and to make choices. And then when we have the response, and we do the releasing work, so that's what the co-creation work is. That's what the healing circle is on Wednesday. We come together and we look at a word. There's this condition in your life that you're not happy with. Well, let's identify that. And what does that feel like when you're having that experience? Okay, now let's take it to the behavior that goes along with that. And then for the next seven to ten days, you spend releasing that. I release my belief in lack. I release my need to worry. And I'm grateful for God is the freedom that I am. And it's a physical prayer. This is the crucifixion. We release and then we're resurrected with a new idea and we embody the qualities of God. There's a physicality to it. And I, from all the NLP stuff I've seen in the world, it's, 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 a, it's a powerful tool because our body is a temple. Our body is a, a physical. But anyway, that's the work that we're about. And we started this several months ago. So a greater degree of consciousness. In such group treatment, you would probably meditate on such ideas as peace or joy or general wholeness. You would meditate on the concept that there's one presence, which is God, one perfect life, which is right here, one divine intelligence guiding and governing, not for any particular or specific purpose in this case, but just to imbibe the spirit of wholeness itself, to enter more largely into a complete acceptance of peace and poise and power. And it goes on and on. It's a, I'll, I'll share more of it with you next week. But... The point being is, it doesn't mean that you can't treat for things. It's not, it's not wrong that we do prayer treatment for a, a specific goal. But what Holmes is saying is the first thing that needs to happen is the transformation of consciousness, the lifting of consciousness. When consciousness shifts and changes, then the prayer that you go to, to, to do the, the treatment work for the specific purpose changes. And, and then everything is different. Sorry, I had a timer on here and I lost it. And Kevin and I have this agreement that, oh boy, way, way past. Sorry, buddy. So much for that plan. <laughs> oh, golly. Okay. So, so one of the, the important uh, pieces that, that uh, also, and a lot of this is inspired by this beautiful Marcia Sutton that I've been doing so much work for, with, doing so much work with. A lot of this material comes right out of Marcia and, and Dr. Lloyd Strom's uh, research over the last 25 years. There's a the wonderful story that sets up a bit of what I want to say about that. So Holmes talking about really for things to shift and change in our life, it is a shift in consciousness and the power of the group prayer. And so when we come together and do these practices, one of the reasons that we have arranged the, the, the auditorium this way is that uh, in, in, when I was in Denver, one of the pieces of information I got from one of the people that is very uh, prominent in Denver said that when you can arrange your seating so people actually can see one another, it creates a whole different dynamic. So you can't all see one another, but you do see one another in a different way. You don't have to see everybody all the time, but if you see one other person, it's a different experience because you see the face of God. And it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And we're a spiritual community, and so to create that level of sacred intimacy, 
So they're reminded, there's the face of God sitting there. And, and when I say that to you, how do you feel about that? Do you feel you're the face of God? Because I know the first time I came in the door, somebody told me I was the face of God. It made me squirm. Not the face of God. Boy, what, what are they going to want from me now? I was the guy, well, it was church in a box, and I was the guy that pushed the piano out every Sunday. I figured it out eventually, but I was the only guy there. The Jungian analyst Helen Luke strongly asserts that we take turns seeking a guide and being a guide. Seeking a guide and being a guide. So if you're, if you're a life coach, every good life coach I have has a life coach. When I, I did years and years of counseling with someone in L.A., she had a counselor. I have mentors, practitioners, ministers in my life consistently. This is important to me. This is my, this is my life. And then I get to mentor. It's, it's the reciprocity. Because none of us are, it's never, we're never complete, we're never done. She said, but either way, she declares, it's the most, it is most surely true that no one can safely enter the dark gate of the shadow world without knowing that some some deeply loved and trusted person has absolute faith in the rightness of their journey and in their courage and ability to come through. So when we talk, we have, we inter, every week we introduce our practitioners. And the reason that we do that, in my opinion, is because they represent that for this community. They've done enough of their own work so that they can sit with you and have those deep and meaningful conversations. Now, not, they're not the only ones, but if you have someone in your life that can do that with you, it's powerful and wonderful and beautiful. And we all need that. There's, three, there's, there's an essay from Lloyd, and I'll just touch on the ideas and expand on it more, but there's three kinds of mentors. A mentor is a wise and trusted counselor or teacher, and you are all that. See, we're, in a few more months, we're going to be launching our, we're doing our turbo group of, of uh, MetaModel, which is small group ministry. And small group ministry is exactly what this uh, researcher, analyst, uh, Helen Luke, is talking about. Everyone mentors and everyone is mentored. Everyone is mentored and everyone is, is mentoring someone. And it's in groups of five to no more than ten people. Because when you get beyond ten people, the, the introverts in the group don't feel like they're connected. They don't want to show up anymore. It's human nature. It's not there's something wrong with you. You know, we have a number of people here that don't like to join anything. And they now have a, they now have a group did you know that the people that don't like to join are now part of a group? And they don't like that either. I don't know what to tell them, but it's okay. But the point is, is that this is such a powerful spiritual practice because there's, there's brilliance and genius within this community. Not just within practitioners, not just within ministers, but in this community. There's a genius and brilliance. And to tap into that and have people mentor one another in a meaningful way, a powerful way, and develop those relationships where we can, we can witness... And we can be there, deeply loved and trusting, and someone having absolute faith in the rightness of our journey and the courage and ability to come through. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter where you are, how far down you feel like you're coming from. You can do this, whatever it may be. Ernest Holmes said it's the universal, I'm not good enough. Three kinds of mentors. There's universal mentors. They are the purveyors of wisdom that reveal the highest teachings, the truth about the nature of life, the essence of truth and its unchangeable nature. And those teachers endure the test of time. So Jesus of Nazareth, the Buddha, was a, was a universal mentor. And then next is a personal mentor. 
We ponder the teachings of the universal mentors. Our souls are filled with hope in the possibility of a greater expression of life. However, as we begin to, to actually apply the teachings of wisdom to our daily lives, we often encounter many difficulties and pitfalls that require assistance of those who are ahead of us on the path. And those can be personal mentors. Sometimes they're life coaches. Patrick Harbulo's coming here. He's, a, he's an ordained minister. He'll be here on the 17th of February. He does a lot of coaching with a lot of people in the community. I'm amazed how many people he stays connected with. It's a wonderful thing. So he's a, he's a step, and that would represent probably my role in this. I'm a half a step in front of, of most and a half a step behind others. But they provide us with the guidance when we encounter adversity and give us the courage to engage the dark night of the soul. It is rare indeed to find an individual who can progress very far upon the path of spiritual attainment without the assistance of mentors. If you were to survey the literature on this subject, you would find that all of the great modern-day universal mentors had personal mentors of their own along the way. Rumi had Shams. Shams came along and rearranged Rumi's life in an amazing way. We've all had those. And then there's inner mentors. Inner mentors within us all. It is, it is our higher wisdom self, which is the Christ in us, the hope of glory. So when last week when I said, tap into your higher wisdom self, that's the Christ consciousness, the higher wisdom self. That's the business we're about here. So I'm going to encourage you. We're going to bring Jordan out to do one more song. And then on your way out, think about your word. If you haven't written a word down, please share it with us. Please take a tile home with you. Please do some more releasing over here with the flash paper if you feel called. And then select a beautiful ribbon and tie if you're ready to do that as a reflection of the, the vow from the head to the heart. And then what we will do throughout the year is we'll mentor one another in beauty and love and grace, joy and expectancy of great good. You will go this year in your life the way you decide. Isn't that good news? You're not stuck. I mean, it really is good news. And we're here to help support that in, in every way, shape, and form and to grow that and to grow that collective consciousness, as Holmes said. And so it is. Blessings.